Welcome to episode four of the Technical Difficulties Podcast, a podcast where we dive into different topics related to mental health in the tech industry. In this podcast, we're going to be starting a new segment on caring for mental health in the workplace. To kick off this segment, I'm joined by two people from an extremely interesting company, a company that I truly believe puts mental health at the forefront of everything. I'm joined today by Shay Stewart and Nicole Saunders from Arctic. Say hi, Shay, Nicole. Hey. Hello. So from knowing you both personally, I know that what you do really keeps mental health in the forefront of your mind. First of all, can you talk to us a little bit about what you do as a general overview at Arctic? I can handle that one if you want. And then Nicole. Sure. Absolutely. Over from where I, where I missed the beat. Um, I mean, Arctic is really focused on sort of services delivery with emerging technology. So um, that's kind of the, the core product, right? Um, our team is built of um, smart, uh, hardworking, creative uh, engineers and, and process engineers as well, I would say, not just technical engineers. Uh, and we try to focus on how we work with our customers and how they want to be worked with. I think that's probably one of the unique values um, and how we want to live our life maybe around our work schedule or how it bleeds in. Um, and so with that often comes um, quite a lot of fast paced busyness um, that can overcome one's, one's life. And I, you know, I'm not going to say that I think we've solved it and I don't even think we're close to solving sort of how to put mental health at the forefront uh, sure. within an organization, but everybody wants to work hard and is kind of working towards the same mission and goal. And uh, sometimes we really need to ask people to slow down and it's just because they're excited mm -hmm. or want, or, you know, want, don't want to let their teammates down, but they work Absolutely. hard and sometimes it's too hard. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and the technical pitch being we deal with open source software and help enterprises adopt it. But the background of that is a lot more, code, glue, and, and personal bonding um, across the team. Uh, Nicole holds a role, um, we lead link of life at Arctic. Uh, so maybe, maybe I'll kind of let you speak from your personal or role holder sort of perspective of what, what Arctic means to you in, in that way. Yeah, I think uh, Arctic, it's one of those places where someone asks what you do and it's a really hard question to answer because we operate uh, under a little bit of a different system, which is called holacracy. So we all hold different roles, which could be across a vast spectrum of different things. So I do everything from project setup and invoicing to working on things like workplace wellness and um, you know figuring out programs that'll help with remote work. Um, I started off being an office manager and then there was no office. So I had to pivot pretty quickly and figure out what my place was in the company. But luckily the way that it's, it's all set up. That wasn't that difficult of a transition for me, but um, yeah, the life at Arctic Circle is basically about finding life inside of your work, which I think is kind of a beautiful concept. Interesting. So what got you both interested in this concept? I mean, did your ideas about mental health really take root at Arctic or did you come in with some preconceived notions are there things in your personal life that have prompted this focus? 
or was it just simply working at Arctic? I can take that one. Um, for me, definitely, like I started off in a career in theater where work-life balance is not necessarily prized or acknowledged. Sure. And people work, you know, opening night happens no matter what. And you see a lot of people, it takes a toll on their mental health. But the way that it's always balanced is through humor and vulnerability. And as somebody who has suffered with uh, mental illness myself throughout my entire life, being able to say like, you know, my anxiety is really bad today and I'm having a really hard time staying focused and being surrounded with people who are like, yeah, me too, but let's still keep working. <laughs> was always just a really interesting milieu to be in. And I think that when I came to Arctic, everybody was on the same page, which was so refreshing compared to other times when I've gone into a corporate environment where you're discouraged from being vulnerable and you're not allowed to talk about that you're having a bad day because it's seen as not being a team player. So. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think my, my awareness of it comes uh, slightly differently in, in that I, you know what, it, it actually, it might've been around the time we'd started the company. I was heavily listening to a, a podcast called DevOps, um, DevOps Cafe, I think was the name of the podcast. I don't think they're mm -hmm. running anymore. Um, and a lot of the conversations actually came up um, around burnout and suicide and those types of things that were happening. And it, it's not that all of that hit me really hard, but it, it, it wasn't something that was being discussed in the IT industry at the time. Um, and I've, I've often openly shared within, outside of our company, within our company, the way burnout has you know, hit me or the way anxiety, you know, I've experienced that. And I think that those sort of opening conversations led me to start exploring the conversation with other people as well and kind of say, okay, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, I don't need to wait until I'm 80 and dead to, to try to enjoy my life and slow down a little bit. Sure. But also if I'm feeling this, you know, I think there's a lot of other people that can be feeling this. And I, I think, sure. you know, Chris, you and I kind of, mm. we were at the OSMI booth last year at KubeCon talking about actually how that all came about when somebody came out of a KubeCon conference and just you know had tweeted like that was amazing and great but also I just spent three days in the bathroom crying and you're like wow like my heart sinks for an individual who is torn between wanting to consume the content and be part of this this cool stuff but also just doesn't have the same sort of building blocks to sustain that amount of I'm gonna call it overdrive within like sort of social interaction um, and so I had to start to slow down to analyze myself Right. I've noticed where I start to burn out with social interaction and, and things like that, and then share it um, with other people because we're all feeling the same thing. And I don't know, COVID's, COVID's driven up the openness, I think, out of all of it. That's um, true. But, but just trying to share it um, gives us an opportunity to, it gives a gift to somebody else to go, okay, I can you know, let my guard down a little bit and share with you that, you know what, mm -hmm. I'm not having a great day because my kid shit all over me this morning or whatever. Right. And that's a real thing that you're dealing with right now. That context is super helpful for how we might collaborate together in the day. Uh, yeah. Kind of get on with our day. Totally. And just accepting the fact that we're all human beings. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think both of you touched on this that, um, you know, so often in our industry, um, for lack of a better word, where, you know, there's the stereotype of kind of, you know, being a robot, increasing your productivity, you know, using whatever Pomodoro method, whatever it is. 
and um, there's no human aspect to it. Um, this is going to be repetitive for our listeners, but in my last podcast, I believe I, I mentioned the, the unfortunate um, recurrence of the topic of the 10 X engineer. Right. And I think that's a perfect example. Like there's no humanity in that. We're not leaving room to, you know, just for the fact that we're all people. Right. But um, I think there's, there, there's a, if you talk about the 10 X engineer, I think there's a tendency in our organizations to also, especially Arctic to focus on the engineers. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I think we're neglecting the fact that all of that behavior drags a whole bunch of other people in through you, right? Like there's the rest sure. of the system that's building this organization, which isn't just about the engineers, but for every 10 X engineer, there's 10 other people trying to catch up and right. stressed about it and whatever that is and whatever operational capacity. And it's, it's, often I find in the workplace that we don't sing enough praise out of all of the people that mm-hmm. make, you know, make, that's, make the product, very true. And make, you know, give us outcomes and all the other humans involved. That's and very glor- true. We glorify the 10 X engineer to mm-hmm. all of our detriments. I that's very that's true. Gonna, it's got to stop. Right. I think we need to think about um, one, like one of the attitudes we try to employ here is about replacing yourself. Right. Like we think we all like new things. And so mm-hmm. let's think about how I equip the rest of my team to be able to do some of the tasks that I'm doing so I can step out of them and have a change of scenery and change my pace and not be the only person that is capable of providing such a thing. Sure. Um, that's really one way to reduce sort of your stress. I, I, know, I know when we started implementing Holacracy, which comes with its own interesting challenges in an organization, but the idea of distributed authority took a whole lot of weight off my shoulders um, mm-hmm. and shared it with an amazing team of people that you trust. And so if you're going to hire and trust them, then why wouldn't you want to share that load with them as well? Sure. So before we go any further, just for our audience, can we flesh out on this podcast, what is holacracy for people who may not be familiar? Just to set a definition, if that's even possible. <laughs> Do you want me to try, Shaggy? You need it himself. Um, all right. Because you're way better at this than I am. I'm not sure. I just opened a can of worms, huh? Without a whiteboard, I might have a difficult time, but I'll try. Um, (laughs) Well, the idea is that um, there are concentric circles and then multiple circles inside of those circles that are departments, and you can hold roles inside of all those circles. Um, there's a lead link to each circle, but they're not the boss. They're kind of just overseeing that everybody's attending things like tactical meetings, which we have on a regular cadence. Um, there's governance meetings, which basically mean that you can rewrite the map of the company. The rules of engagement are always up for change and proposals. Um, you can hold a role of any kind. And as long as you're fulfilling its purpose and accountabilities, you can hold that role. So it's basically made this like, endless choose your own adventure, some people call it, to, to being at Arctic, where you can pretty much do whatever you set your mind to, set up a project that is your passion project, and you don't need to say really to anybody, you can ask for input, but you don't need consensus. You don't need everybody to say, yeah, that's the greatest idea ever, or you can try. And I think um, something I wanted to bring up while I was here was uh, yeah, sure. an article that I read from, I think it was the Harvard Business School that they released recently about psychological safety. And that that was one of the markers of a happy workplace. And it's the idea that you can 
you can try something and you can come up with ideas and you can also fail and that you feel mm -hmm. safe to do those things. And holacracy really enables that because the idea is it's more that you're trying and you're trying something new and that addition is always better than nothing at all. And addition can always mean a change in the roadmap. And I think it's mm -hmm. been remarkable the way that holacracy has enabled us to move remotely, like not flawlessly, but pretty well. Huh. It's interesting. Yeah, in, in the tech world that really encapsulates some of the principles of agile and puts them into mm -hmm. the, into the business. And there's a, a couple of angles that I like about it. And, you know, one of them being um, every human being that's participating in this organization, a wants clarity on how the organization runs. So we get a chance to actually mm -hmm. codify this thing. Like there's a piece of software that tells you how, how our company is built and, and who, who can fulfill what accountability it's, it's, you know, not many other organizations have I been in. Is, is that, that yeah. possible? But <laughs> I wish else, it was. Right? It's, it's, we're all <laughs> dotted lines across this org chart in, in, or at least in previous organizations. And I find that, that challenging. Um, and then mm -hmm. when it's written, you can rewrite it. So you kind of have that iteration of the structure of somebody in the company sensing that there's a gap, right? And it doesn't matter really where you're from. It's everybody's a sensor. You all have different pr perspectives. And as long as you're, what you've sensed isn't harmful and there's a sort of a logic and a process around determining what could be harmful or not, if it's not harmful, then we try it, right? And when we promote fail fast, you know, in sort of the agile world, it, it's a simple way here that's like, well, can't we undo this later if it doesn't? It's like, sure, why not? And what that allows some of the people to do in, in the company to their own interest level is work on the business as much as they work in the business. And I think those are, to me, it seems like what we're trying to do is give opportunity for people to shape the organization, the type of people that they want to work with, the processes they want, they want to enact without having it coming top down from a couple of people who, quite frankly, are so far from those processes sometimes that sure. we really shouldn't have you know, valid input, right? There's areas of the business I have no idea how they run, their magic, and I like that, right? Because I don't have mm -hmm. that much interest in it, and it, it just, it, sure. it's <laughs> clockwork, right? So, Absolutely, I get that. But I also shouldn't come in stomping my feet saying, you know, I'm at this level and you got to hear me out. Like, that's not my role. It's not my place. I don't have authority there. It's, it's interesting. So that sounds, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry, I was just going to say that also like makes place for true mentorship as well, whereas I think sometimes mentorship can masquerade as just a boss. So, but when you're making sure. your own decisions, you can actually go to somebody that's got more experience than you and ask for, for true guidance. Hmm. So a follow-on question to that is this sounds like um, a very passionate topic and for a lot of people, not just both of you, I would imagine it's a deep topic that can go and go and go. So I want to go back to uh, Shay's comment of slowing down. Um, and not slowing down necessarily because we're being told to go too fast, but slowing down because our own passion is driving us faster and faster and faster. Um, from knowing Shay personally, I know Shay has talked about some interesting things that are done at Arctic um, to kind of encourage this uh, slowing down um, of cognitive wavelength for lack of a better word. 
So do you want to talk about some of those things that you tactically do to get people to slow down and check in? The check-in rounds. So mm -hmm. at the beginning of uh, each of our meetings, we have a check-in round and the idea is that you're supposed to get present and call out any distractions. So if you don't talk about the elephant in the room, you're going to be thinking about the elephant in the room for the entire meeting. So you take a breath, you say kind of what has your attention at the moment, and then you're able to let it go and be completely present in the meeting. And it's interesting because I think we were kind of starting to lose process there for a little while and we went back to it. And I was asking people to like not rush through it because it's easy to be like, yeah, great. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm thinking mm -hmm. about this next thing I'm going to do. And uh, we, we all took that breath together and everybody was saying like, I just feel so calm. And it's like that act of that single breath really made such a huge difference. Hmm. So, the, so I just, I just want to double on yeah. that because I noticed something happen in uh, one of our, our health Slack channel. I think it was the health Slack channel kind of after we were doing that. So a lot of people started chiming in with some of the other breathwork practices that they're doing at home. That was, it was very interesting to see people say, you know, I just started doing breath work and wow, has it ever, you know, changed my, my anxiety level or whatever the case mm -hmm. is. And they just started just talking about breath work, something as simple as that from breathing and doing a check-in and being prompted to do so. Sure. I think it's pretty interesting. So when you do these check-ins at your meetings, um, do you, or did you get resistance about length of time. Um, I know, especially with you know, a lot of companies, uh, without naming any names, you have, you know, 30 minutes, even less hit it. Do you get, do you, or did you get any resistance towards, you know, Hey, this is taken up an inordinate amount of time. I don't have time for this. I got to, you know, talk about what I got to talk about. Well, I wasn't really there for the implementation of Holacracy. I came in after okay. and was part of what really sold me on the company. But uh, I know that when we, again, because yeah. we're constantly going back to like the practice of Holacracy in its truest form. And sometimes we deviate as people do and we try and get back to it. And then we kind of make it our own and retool it a little bit. But when we went back to our governance process, which is very like, you know, sequential and you have to follow this very strict format, people were pretty like, come on, let's get through this. Let's do it. They were getting a little frustrated, but I think mm -hmm. the more that we did it, the more people saw value in it. And I know that when it comes to our tactical meetings, we're able to get through so much in such a short period of time that we rarely go past half an hour anyway. So mm -hmm. it's actually pretty cool that we can still check in with everybody as well as talk about everything that we need to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, you bring up an interesting point. Um, I mean, the early days of playing this were funny. You'd laugh a little bit and it was, you know, resisted because you know, we implemented this part way and, you know, they kind of describe it like it's soccer, right? Like you're not all going to be the best player, but you're just going to chase the ball around the field and try to learn and, and get better. So there's some safety in knowing it's okay to, you know, make a mistake, if you will. But the process, the meeting process format is highly efficient, which makes space for the check-in. We also try to have some guidelines around like not taking more than 30 seconds on your check-in. I feel like more often, especially in remote work these days, we're looking forward to those meetings and the check-in because we're just trying to connect with each other. Mm -hmm. um, 
but if we've been on four meetings in the day, we will still get some like abrupt check-ins because it's like, okay, we just got off the last one, started sure. a new one, right? We've all right. been in the same room together. And right. I, I think that's acceptable too, right? As long as at some point we've taken a second to slow down, check in and, and, and just, just pause, right? Within those couple of meetings. Sure. But people, I don't, I haven't witnessed any more of that. You still get some, I would say more resistive checkouts actually. Like the, the checkouts are usually I'm hungry and you know, Hey, that's totally cool. It's viable. It's top of mind. <laughs> or, right. you know, thanks for the updates. They're not, it's not as much as important to the team as far as I've seen as the check-in process. So check-ins versus checkouts, are those two different things? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, beginning and end of the meeting. Ah, got it. Okay. How, or or yeah. it's, how do you leave this meeting? I think is, is the phrasing, right? Nicole? Yeah. And I think it's when it's the most interesting is when the meeting was a little tense. And then like people kind of have that chance to have their last word, which I think is maybe what the attention was in its design. But like sometimes people are like, I'm still feeling frustrated. And they get to say that at the end, you know, rather than just like quietly stew their way out of the room, you know? Interesting. So. But isn't that helpful? Like when I think it is. Conflict resolution, like to know that, right, we've seen the tensions between things happening and all of a sudden you go, yeah, I'm still, I'm still pissed off cool. Yeah. I know where you're at. And, and I actually probably have some empathy to try to, you know, help figure out and get us to a place where you're not in that. So maybe a follow on conversation will continue to happen versus spiting people, right? Like better to get it out. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Do you think with, especially with the checkouts, um, it, is there a problem that arises where someone it could be just not engaged with the meeting at all. And that happens oftentimes where we're all, we all have meetings like that, where we're just, we're not there. We're somewhere else in our personal lives. And the, could the checkout be some, could someone feel tr- pressure during this checkout to say, you know, Hey, I, I haven't even been here. Um, I have no idea what just happened. Um, is, is that I mean, kind of putting them on the spot or <laughs> do you find people can say that freely? Is that, Hey, I'm just not here right now today. So I don't know. I think people do like, well, I know they do. They do check out that way. Some of them, and it's kind of good to know because you sure. sometimes have said something that's particularly relevant to them. So, you know, you need to reiterate it. And, right. you know, I think that's definitely more helpful than them me thinking that they were there when they weren't. And if they can just be honest and tell me that, then, and I can, you know, side slack them and be like, by the way, this is the recap of what I said. Yeah. (laughs) And I think think that's the the useful piece because otherwise you're going to be slightly frustrated that they're going to come back and say, so what happened is like, right. Oh yeah. You weren't paying attention. Um, (laughs) I've I've heard more honesty in the checkouts than anything else. Right. Like, yeah, "Yeah, I was still distracted. Sorry. Gotta go. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's normal. We've all been there. Right. I mean, we are something else is happening and, you know, you're sitting on this training call or whatever, and you're like, yeah, no, not even, you know, it's a thing, you know, how to use this tooling and you're just not even there. So we've we've all been there. I mean, it's it's totally normal. And I think that's how we introduce the humans to this, like systems, right? And we're, we're Mm -hmm. introducing that human element to it and like reminding ourselves that there are people inside of this, this process. Sure. Absolutely. 
So do you both do anything else inside of Arctic? Um, I heard previously, um, I've heard Shay talking about some other activities that you partake in. Or is that the main one with the check-ins and check-outs? I think we're not doing as many right now, I think, right? I think since COVID, but you're probably referring to, and I think actually Nick was was organizing and running it, some of the more mindfulness stuff that we tried to, Mm -hmm. and you know, and health stuff that we tried to do. Maybe you want to talk about some of that and maybe success or lack, or maybe current lack of, I'm not (laughs) sure where, where we're at with that right now. Yeah, we were, when we were still in office, we had a yoga teacher coming in and uh, doing a yoga session, which was lovely. And we were going to have like a mindfulness seminar come in and then COVID hit, we had to retool everything. So we started doing remote yoga. But I think that the, the video call fatigue got real and people started to really prize their time when they were away from their screens more than ever before. And um, it's something that I'm <clears throat> incredibly interested in at the moment, which is the idea of asynchronous team building and what that looks like and how we come together without being together and without this constant co-presence and this feeling of stress that can come along with being on video calls. It's almost like a false sense of urgency. You need to answer. You need to, you know, you feel like you're studying your little face in the corner. It can be incredibly stressful and I think affects people's mental well-being. So Um, I think in the beginning we thought, oh yeah, we'll just do everything the same as we did it before, but do it on video call. And it became apparent pretty quickly that that wasn't really the way to go necessarily. And a great example I can think of is uh, we just had our kickoff and I organized these boxes to be sent to everybody, a little gift. And I think that, you know, for one thing, just having a mystery box sent to the mail is like the most fun thing ever. But having that shared experience not everybody came on a call to open them together, but we all had that shared experience of opening something and we knew we all had the same thing. And, you know, it wasn't on a video call necessarily, but it still felt good and it felt like togetherness. And everybody kind of almost had their own journey of, of how they got the box, right? Like yeah. I was a couple hundred kilometers away when it got delivered. So I got a photo of it outside my door and then I was there the next day. And, and then people are in Slack just sending photos of how they're getting it or they're, the, I mean, the most common phrase I think was I didn't even get to eat the popcorn my husband wife or child <laughs> right or partner got to it first I'm like what kind of household do you run where they open your get it was like there was so much of that just around this box that was lovely and beautifully put together but that shared experience was was, mm-hmm. was gold yeah Really, yeah really well done and one of the highlights of a virtual kickoff mm-hmm. um when you know the rest of the virtual kickoff is um a lot of video video call time mm. uh, going back to nicole's comment about how everything you know originally just started moving virtually you know i saw that in my personal life as well um you know uh extracurricular activities if you will after work activities that i used to use to get away from my computer because I've been working remotely for the past two years anyway. So activities that I used to use particularly specifically for the purpose of getting up and getting away from my computer have gone virtual now. And I just, I've had to have conversations with people. It's like, look, I, I stare at my computer all day. I can't, this is not happening. I mean, the, the whole reason I do this activity is because it's not staring at a screen. That's the whole point of this to me. 
but um, yeah. So finding ways to connect that are not staring at each other on a screen all day. Um, I don't think any of us really have the answer to that at the moment. Um, Like you said, it's on the work on for sure. Yeah. It's a work in progress. And it's also, I think, fantastic though, that you're advocating for yourself in that way to say like, I need time away because I think there's that pressure yeah. of like, mm-hmm. you know, family and friends and workmates that it's like, well, what do you, do you not want to see me? And the answer is, is yeah. no, but I just want to hang out with myself for a little while. And being able to yep. say that out loud, I think mm-hmm. the times I have said that out loud, then I hear it echoed back yeah. shortly after from those same people that maybe before didn't feel safe to say it. They're like, no, I need time yep. away for a while. So for sure. I know in the beginning of the in beginning of COVID, um, this might rabbit hole a little bit, but it's okay, whatever. Um, in the beginning of COVID, there was a whole craze of you know, uh, let's talk to each other on you know Zoom constantly. And me being kind of an introverted person, I don't want to do that. I mean, I, I, I have a cabin on the top of a mountain in Maine where I by myself with my dog. I mean, I'm, I'm like, I like being alone sometimes. Um, and that just really burnt me out. And exactly that is just learning to advocate and saying, Hey, uh, sorry, but I can't, it's just not how I am. I, I can't sit there and shoot the shit with people 24 seven over zoom. It's not going to work for me, but yeah, learning to advocate for yourself, especially with COVID. Um, has been big. You know, it's an interesting note that I think COVID helped more people advocate for themselves and for their time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a positive outcome, right? Or a silver lining, if sure. you will. But it was necessary, right? I mean, the fact that we kind of had these nine to five or whatever the sort of in-office hours were didn't really apply to us so that when you were in the office, you were on. When you were out of the office, you were on. You know, you're seeing the trend in every piece of digital technology that we have that has wellness timers and, and screen time monitoring. And mm-hmm. I mean, all, all we really need to do is learn to like be okay with ourselves turning yeah. that off for a while. And I think we're talking about that more is a good thing, which will enable other people to do it. Because I only know from the time I was spending in BC doing a lot of that stuff, just as part of trying to change my life, mm-hmm. trying to slow down my life a little bit. Instead, I would come back, I would just say, look, I'm off, I'd be very clear, I'm offline for a couple of days, and then the remote parts that have no cell service, I'll bring you a good story when I come back, right? Sure. And I think, like, there's so many people that were almost jealous to the point that then my next conversation is, okay, well, do you want to come with me next time? Or, like, <laughs> I don't mind, I don't mind people, like, if you get to open up the door and encourage them to come, but whatever it takes for you to be okay with yourself advocating for that time it's you kind right. of have to be nicer to yourself. And I think many people used to feel that shame kind of of like, well, mm. if they're not doing it, then I shouldn't be doing it and I should be performing more. And I don't know, the attitude that we try to take as best as possible is it's like, we all have a battery, right? Your body has a battery. And you, if you run it out, it's going to be a lot harder to charge it back up. So we'd rather people try to take time to focus on keeping that battery topped up which means every few weeks you're taking a little time off you're doing stuff for yourself you're like whatever that is Mm. trying to integrate that into your lifestyle and all we really ask is that you be open and clear about the timelines and you don't like drop the ball so you know 
it's in your calendar and you were clear and you said, hey, I'm taking some time off to recoup in the next three weeks, please do that. I want stories. Don't talk to me or text me while you're there. Disable mm. your accounts. I mean, I, I wish we could do that. Maybe just disable accounts for a while, right? Be an interesting and, idea. And truly disconnect. Mm -hmm. um, and it took me years to learn how to do that. Very, you know, yeah. very, very, very long years that frustrated a lot of my partners about my inability to connect from, from work. Mm. You know, I think on that topic, training yourself to disconnect because, you know, being an off-grid guy myself too, um, I understand that it, it's kind of a learned skill, uh, disconnecting. Uh, I know so many of my personal friends, you know, they, I'll hear them say, you know, what? No cell phone service, no internet. Why? I can't, I can't do that. So, and you do really have to train yourself to do that. Um, in the United States, they have, um, this, uh, business called getaway house. Um, and it's a good introduction to unplugging. If anybody else, if anybody in the United States is listening to this, definitely check out getaway house. If you're interested in learning how to unplug, it's kind of a, a defined program where you go to a, a tiny house, which is really, it's really just a trailer. Um, and there are actual deliberate instructions on unplugging and, you know, they take away the, the mirrors, they take away all the conveniences you could use to connect. There is no Wi-Fi, no nothing like this. And it kind of trains you into that mentality because you're absolutely right is that that's a mentality you have to kind of train yourself back into. We've been trained by society to, you know, stay on all the time, constantly, always. And we have to, you know, retrain ourselves into not being like that. But um, hey, so switching subjects, um, I know, uh, Nicole, I don't know you as personally as Shay, so maybe this doesn't apply to you, and I forgive me, but I know, Shay, you do some interesting stuff outside of work related to mental health. Um, Nicole, you might be in a similar situation. So we'll start off with you first, Shay. Um, you want to talk about that? Sure. Well, I mean, I'll start by saying... Um, the stuff that I do is, is very personal. It, it's more, um, more geared towards my, you know, my journey, but I've been blown away at um, both Nicole's interest, intellectual capability and knowledge and advocacy for mental health and just generally way more knowledgeable than I am on the subject and quite often look to her for guidance um, on both appropriate comments and understanding and, and, and patience. Um, and so I, I do want to say that uh, and it's why we're, you know, and one of the many reasons we're very pleased to have her on our team. Um, and historically, a long-term friend of mine as well, um, and a great debater. So, um, you know, <laughs> some of the things we do for mental health are drink wine and debate. Uh, yeah, that's, aside, that's, there's a time and a place for that too. So there, that's cool. There is. Um, <laughs> I would say some, some of the majority of the work I really started to do um, you know, had been, I would say, you know, 20, 2019 and starting sort of early, late 2018, um, much deeper reflection uh, with less rumination and starting to learn things like uh, taking up, a, you know, practicing on meditation and, and yoga and breath work and, and that sort of stuff that led me into a couple of avenues 
Uh, one of them was doing a couple of retreats uh, with the Everyman organization, which is, you know, entirely focused on training men to have um, a better emotional, um, emotional intelligence to slow down and, and bit to, to, you know, handle those emotional muscles and figure out what they are and kind of, um, man up's the wrong word it, it's get in touch with yourself but actually own everything that you are as a man and to be proud of it and, and but it's not a pride thing it's an emotional um training thing whatever that means to be a man sure. a father a brother right any of those things um and it's not um it, it focuses on men mostly because the, the coaching group that's what they know though they've started doing some some bridge work with um with women women's leadership in that space as well and so there's a bunch of um mixed uh groups that are happening as well you know but to to paint a picture they kind of just do these retreats where you go in and um, i'd actually done one just before google next it was the first one i had done it was about a weekend and every day was you know like we're for two days was different exercises of silent walks in the woods yoga teaching that teaching men meditation but also asking themselves really deep questions and then sitting down and actually going deeper into why you feel the way you feel and checking in with your body. And that actually was synonymous with the check-in process. I'd learned that before. And then when we started looking at holacracy, it was very ironically sort of similar. Um, and that just opened up my mind to be much more aware of how much I was hiding or suppressing or, or not dealing with. Um, and so then that, that's a combination of sort of talk therapy and, and just, you know, getting away from things and spending a lot of time in trees, right? I find for me, water and trees are, are very much therapeutic for myself. Sure. Allowed me to slow down and kind of understand when I'm getting or feeling a certain way to actually ask questions about it and to be inquisitive and say, why am I acting this way? Or why am I feeling this way? Um, and so that's kind of been the journey through a number of different avenues. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm, I'm thirsty and curious for more techniques as well. And I ebb and flow, I think, like everybody else, right? My practice right now probably isn't as strong as, as sure. it should be. And then the Buddhist in me says, well, you just judge that thing. So don't be a jerk to yourself, right? Like there's, right, you know, exactly. there's compassion to be had and a bunch of other things that we, I think we all wrestle with, um, with mm -hmm. the way that we were raised. Um, but so those are some of the the personal things I would say in my life that I try to round out. Um, I'm sure Nicole's got some of her own as well. Yeah, for me, um, gosh, where to begin? I'd say like I've been privileged enough to be able to go to therapy, which mm -hmm. unfortunately also in Canada, therapy is something that's pretty expensive and inaccessible to a lot of people. There's some free programs, but it's severely lacking. Um, and as a result of that, and I've been through so many different formats of therapy for, for trauma and anger management and all these different things. And when I started talking about it, because I'm a talker and I talk about everything that's happening, is I started noticing that people didn't, weren't talking about it, but when I did, they started talking about it too. And just that conversation just started flowing within my friend group. I started extending it out to social media and the response that I got was like overwhelming. There were so many people who were going through similar things and it makes me sad to think that there's people who feel like 
there is still something wrong with them or like they can't talk about it out loud. But I get a lot of private messages on the side that say that they're having similar experiences. So I keep talking about it and I probably will mm -hmm. never ever stop because I love having that opportunity to reframe things for people in a language that is positive and full of self-love because I think a lot of people are stuck in those old languages that really hurt them. Um, but yeah, like my, my advocacy has been pretty grassroots and just shouting out whenever, whenever anyone will listen to me, but uh, yeah, it's something I feel very passionately about. Yeah, absolutely. And <clears throat> I think that's such an important thing, just the advocacy and talking and like you said, framing things in a compassionate uh, way, whether that's, you know, your, your typical um, idea of compassion or whether it's sometimes it's what we refer to in our, our sangha at our yoga studio as uh, fierce compassion, right? Um, so either type, just advocating for it um, and just talking about it because uh, it is still a stigmatized thing. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> is that, you know, topics like, you know, maybe people will talk about depression, but they're not going to talk about suicide. Um, and just saying that, hey, you know, people feel shitty sometimes. And <laughs> we've all been there. <laughs> many, many of us have thought about killing themselves. I have. Um, just coming out and saying it and not being worried about, you know, feeling like you could be stigmatized for that. Just having the guts to talk about it. You know, it's a big step. Yeah, it's an act of bravery. For sure. I think a lot of people, uh, their propensity is to minimize their suffering as well. So they'll mm -hmm. like make a joke about it or they'll, they'll be like, well, it's not as bad as somebody else. But mm -hmm. I think it's always really important to remember that your, your suffering is yours and it's important it's valid and it's yeah. worth talking about well, absolutely you're, you're not somebody else you're you and at the end of yeah. the day right you can't take mm -hmm. it with you so i think you know but you're right you hear that a lot there's a lot of everybody has it worse in a different country in a different financial class in a different whatever right. the excuse is we like to make excuses for why we shame the way that we feel um and oh God, don't we go down a rabbit hole of putting shame on top of already feeling shitty, right? Like that's a, sure. okay, when am I yeah. a shit yeah. feeling like shit? Like right. how far can you go before that ends up in something that's, that's far more serious? And sure. I think the gift that you give by being able to talk about it and share allows other people to receive that, empathize, relate to it. And even if they don't share back, yeah. they know that they're not alone. And I think that that's, really, really powerful. And, and I'm, it feels to me like we're talking about this a lot more. Um, I think hoping so. We are. It feels like we are mm. uh, in much wider groups. I know public organizations and things like that. There's more webinars on it. COVID's mm -hmm. even accelerated it more, I think, where we, we people focus on it in the workplace at least. But mm. um, I mean, it's never enough. That's, that's one thing, but it is a good right. thing that we're talking about it more. Well, I think even talking about it, um, this kind of segues into the topic of ownership and mental health. Um, and this is something advocacy can help with is, you know, for someone like me or either of you coming out and saying, you know, hey, 
this is the way I've been feeling and just owning it. Um, because so many of us, honest in my experience, at least kind of run away from the way we're feeling and that sometimes cannot be healthy. You know, you have to own it <laughs> and say, you know, Hey, as bad as this might sound, I am, you know, depressed right now or whatever it is. It's ownership. I feel like the hardest, one of the hardest things for me along that journey was learning to, to say it to myself was actually learning to figure out what was mm. going on. I, you know, there would be days where, you know, I'd be unable to get out of bed until probably past the very last minute. Right. Like in, in, in not in a good, like I'm talking hours of just like mental spinning and anguish and, and anxiety mm. over something that I couldn't, if you'd asked me what was wrong, I wouldn't have been able to say it to you and I wouldn't have been able to say it to myself. And somewhere hmm. along the line, I started to witness that happening and stepping back a little bit and go, oh God, I've been doing this for about 20 minutes. All right, we gotta, gotta have a new plan, hmm. right? And that just kind of shakes me out of it. But it was like, I can't even, I can think of maybe about a good solid 15 years of that experience of, that I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, saying it to ourselves is probably you know, one thing that, that we need to, to look at before we can even consider saying it to other people but sure. sharing it and having that conversation the way nicole's talking about just like i'll talk about it and if i talk about it people will all of a sudden talk about it mm. it's because of that psychological safety i think you're talking about where we're like okay i'm with people that understand and relate to me um and it can accelerate that journey to identifying how you're feeling which can shake you out of it or snap you out of it usually a little bit easier yeah i know um You know, one interesting thing about uh, talking about mental health is um, it's one of those topics where if one person just can have the the guts to come out and talk about it, everybody else goes, you know, oh yeah, that's, that's a thing for me that, and then more people will start talking about it. It just takes one person to get out there. Yeah. Making that space is so important. Like, in workplaces and friend groups, like absolutely everywhere. But I can say that even, even though like I make space for it and the people I work with make space for it still, when I like have a check-in and I'm like, I'm feeling pretty low today, there's still that voice in my head. that's like, am I so negative? No one's going to like me anymore. Like, am I just such a huge hassle to be around? And it's, it's just this, it's a really difficult thing being vulnerable because you're going to always still be your worst critic, but I'm going to keep doing it. And I think that, it still has value because then when somebody else says like, I'm feeling really low today, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to check in with them later and like talk to them and make sure they're doing all right. You know? So. It's almost like you need the person who's feeling the shittiest to go first. Yeah. sets the stage for everyone. Just raise your hand. If you think you're the shittiest and we'll determine (laughs) it, but you're right. I mean, there's a, there's a judgment part of my mind when I'm, when I'm checking in sometimes if I'm not checking in authentically and I don't, you know, sometimes I'm not, I think we all go through that. And then I'm also, because I'm probably too wrapped up in my own shit. And then I also react some way to something. And then I'm like, God, you know what? That was my opportunity to lay some context as to why I might be acting this way. And now I'm just going to go and apologize and be like, I'm sorry. There's other shit in my mind. It's not about this, you know, but that's your opportunity to, to lay it out there. And I think um, we shouldn't shame ourselves for the, for the ones we miss, but we should take the opportunity more. 
So that brought up an interesting uh, question, uh, Nicole, is that you, you said something about, you know, being concerned that you weren't being positive enough. Is that also a problem in your opinion that we're experiencing is that there's so much pressure to like be happy all the time when sometimes we're just not happy and that's okay sometimes um just be like hey i'm I'm kind of bummed right now and you know negative about whatever it is and it's okay it's human i think that like we as a society we have a lot more room for people to be like having a bad day and not feeling okay but would say old modes of thinking internally are much more about you know that persevering looks like positivity and i think that that's dangerous and a little bit pathological even because persevering sometimes looks like sadness but just putting one foot in front of the other for sure i'm trying to uh manage my mute button and my dog that's currently starting to whine at me Um, dogs are joyful they bring joy everywhere we go they are they are joyful except when they start whining on uh podcasts and (laughs) maybe a little bit stress inducing there but um i can hear them in the background oh here it is anyway so hey since we're getting to the bottom of the hour here and i i don't want to keep you both for too long um is there anything we haven't fleshed out in the course of this episode that you feel needs to be mentioned before we wrap it up? Uh, I do. And I'll go first. And then if if anything else comes up, um, you know, add on. I feel like uh, this is a conversation we've had recently, um, Nicole, myself, and, and a couple of other colleagues and friends that we don't often talk about gratitude enough. Mm-hmm. And I think there's lots of room in the workplace for, for praise and gratitude that's not um, monetary or, or any other way that, you know, we kind of have this binary system, right? It's like, hey, you did well, we pay you more, right? Like that's not how humans necessarily receive or feel, feel valued in, in, inside of their own life right? Mm-hmm. Like if I just, you know, if I had, a, if I had a, a partner and I was like, you did a great job this week, you're getting a raise. Like what type of reaction would that person <laughs> give me, right? Like they'd be like, just don't be a jerk and just tell, just tell me I'm doing great. I think, I think there's an opportunity to handle gratitude or to show gratitude in an organization more than a lot of organizations do. And I think that that helps um, with the happiness factor because people generally want to feel valued and quite often we're so stuck in our own head um, about the things we're dropping that we're, we're not noticing how much other people are picking up and I think you know voicing that is really really important and a very simple thing to do for people's mental mental health inside of an organization sure you know from my perspective um, talking about gratitude um, you know so often it's you know a lot of companies have gratitude systems that are not monetary, but they are very mechanical in nature. And that's, that's another thing, at least I find inauthentic, right? Is, you know, you, you got this, you know, shout out through this very mechanical system of, you know, you went to this website and they were like, Hey, you know, shout out this employee or whatever. 
you're like, that's very inauthentic. Um, so maybe gratitude in the sense of just genuinely writing somebody an email and saying, you know, Hey, you know, thanks. Uh, good job on that. You know? Yeah. I, I, you know, I think we've, we've recently spun up uh, a Slack channel around it and, and I've been in an organization where it was more mechanical, right. Um, where I don't, I think it lost its value. And I think that was our hesitation with this one originally, but Hey, it's a new team, new group, new world. Let's see how it goes. It doesn't mean that that's my only outlet. And, and quite often, even, you know, uh, when we can socialize or however, and on, even on one-on-one -on -one coffee virtuals with people, like, it's just like, it's almost like um, if you could go in with three questions, right? Like one of the questions should be like, what am I grateful for that, that, that our working relationship provides? Mm -hmm. That could be something you could ask yourself every week with everybody you engage with. And I guarantee you, if you think about that and say it, it'll make their life better. And that's pretty easy. Or just a direct sure. message, like you said, write an email, like just mm -hmm. a direct message from saying, okay, that was, that was a really good job. I'm, I'm impressed. It, I feel like that's worth more, so much more than the, you know, 10 seconds it took you to write those words. Sure. Absolutely. And it can improve the, the working relationship between you and the other person as well. Mm -hmm. Just say, Hey, you know, you did a great job with this because I, I bet there's a lot of people who have those feelings, but it's never bothered to, they don't bother to put it in writing. Um, and I'm not accusing other people. I'm guilty of this as well, but um, yeah, it can improve working relationships as well. How about you, Nicole? Any other things you think that uh, we've kind of big things we've left unsaid? I'm trying to think. Don't think so. Just on the mechanical note, though, somebody mm -hmm. for a conference I signed up for, they they ended the registration note with "P.S. Hey, you look nice today." Mm. And I know it was mechanical, but it still just mm. like made yeah. me feel like, "Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you." <laughs> so maybe there is a little bit of something to be said for a little bit of uh, mechanical flattery. I don't know. <laughs> maybe awesome. I'm just receptive to it. <laughs> well. Okay. Well, if that I, wraps it up, um, I, have, I have a suggestion. Yeah. If you like absolutely. Me. Yeah, please. Why don't, we, why don't we all check out? Okay. Absolutely. Just kind of just, again, it's kind of like, how are you yeah. doing, you know? Uh, absolutely. Um, See, I'll do it if, if, you know, lead, lead to lead a little bit. Absolutely. Um, I feel I have a little headache and I'm a little bit stressed still. I have a bunch of work. I've, it's been, plaguing me all day um, but I've actually I'm really grateful for the hour that I've been able to step away from it mm. and um, both uh, get to see you again Chris because you know it's 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 been a year <laughs> to spend some significant time together sure um, and grateful that uh, Nicole was able to and excited to join on this with us and and to join our team and bring all the stuff that she does so when I when I look at these faces as the you know the listeners can't see sure um, I'm walking away with, with a lot of gratitude and appreciation for the fact that you have this podcast. Awesome. I'd say I'm checking out feeling incredibly positive and energized. I threw my back out this morning and I was having a bit of a rough day trying to mobilize through the apartment, but I'm feeling better. And I'm so glad that I got asked to be a part of this. I think it's fantastic that these conversations are happening and I'm 
so glad to have been uh, invited to be a part of it. Awesome. On my end, um, I'm checking out feeling rejuvenated by this conversation. Um, for the past few weeks, I feel like I've just been on constantly, um, just 24 hours a day, even on my weekends, just working on personal stuff. Um, you know, the classic adage is, you know, you have, you don't just have one job, right? You have your personal life, that's another job and so on and so forth. So I feel like I've just been kind of burning 24 hours for the past couple of weeks. Um, and I've, I've really enjoyed this hour to slow down and recuperate. Um, so I'm feeling very rejuvenated now. Um, and I'm grateful, maybe it doesn't need to be said, but I'm grateful for this podcast in general. Um, you know, these are important topics. Um, and I, I've really enjoyed the company of both of you. So thank you. And, um, yeah, that's my checkout. Awesome. Thanks. Well, yeah. Thanks very much guys. Yeah. Thanks for joining me.